our uh, long-standing comedy guest host, uh, Brett Nash. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, ex- excited about this episode, I guess, uh, despite the fact I'm not a comedian. This is my first foray into uh, interviewing a guest that's not technically a comedian and is actually... Yeah. Well, I mean, the others were musicians, but, you know, one who is not related to comedy that I know of. Yeah. So that was fun. It was a fun time. Yeah, uh, it seemed like you and Lars had a good time, um, and he was very funny the entire time, too, so I went to Yeah, that, that's that. part of it, too. Like, <laughs> purposefully, I was like, he is a very comical person from interviews I've read. This, this is the logical transition from purely comedy related to musician. This is my, uh, my stepping stone into, uh, interviewing more straight musicians. Yeah. And I know y'all did kind of like a, a track by track, uh, rundown of his new record. Um, do you want to, do you want to tell people about, uh, the new record that he just put out? Yes. Uh, it's called tinnitus tonight. That's T I N N I T U S space tonight like you uh it's like later this evening um <laughs> it came out on a black friday uh yeah we uh started the interview out with because he used to there's this uh like blog kind of internet thing called terminal boredom that like would have like a lot of different like interviews and features about bands and they would get lars to interview other bands a lot and like his first order of business on every interview was to do a track by track rundown of whatever the recent album is so it seemed uh, only fitting and i learned a lot of good stuff about the new album and i am a huge fan of the album but i'm a biased because i'm a huge fan of pretty much everything he does but it is a it's a special one to me, and it it's I don't want to reveal too much, of course, because you're about to hear it. But uh, it was actually recorded before his first solo album, and before the last Intelligence album, like four years ago. We actually talk about the fact it was actually recorded when uh not to get political, but when uh, Obama was still in office. So that just shows you how far this spans, but it just came out uh, on a Black Friday. And uh, it's fantastic. It's all the classic Lars that his listeners have known to come come to know and love, and that I believe you all will too out there in the listener land. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, thanks, Brett. We really appreciate you uh, being the longest-running uh, guest host on Comfort Monk now. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great that y'all just let me uh just i i think i've even said this on the don't stop or we'll die intro just i just uh exploit your uh lovely guest list to uh use to talk to people i really like to talk to and talking to lars was especially amazing because it was like one of those things where i think me and him do at things and think very similarly so when somebody because he is a huge influence on everything i do if you hear any of my music and you hear any of his music you could probably see that and so to hear that he we have a similar thought process and i think a similar creative process was kind of uh reassuring so thanks for uh letting that happen yeah that's awesome man you have any uh any new new stuff coming out anytime soon uh not really i guess uh check the old uh 
the old show's EP out on a uh, Comfort Monk, and uh, you know, working on other things here and there. But I guess that's the big one: Dalmatian Rock EP. Get it wherever you get albums from Comfort Monk. Yeah, I'm biased, but I agree that it's awesome. So <laughs> cool. Well, cool. I'm glad you don't hate it because that would be very <laughs> awkward. But yeah, great. All right. Well, uh, let's let let people listen. This is Lars Finberg. Enjoy. My first sound check in a long time. I was about to say, this is kind of your first live <laughs> performance, right? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to I the live. I was joking game. with a friend. I was going, I was like, oh, an interview, that's no big deal. And then I went, wait, I haven't talked to anybody in nine months. Am I nervous? I, I'm the same way. This, like, the only, well, since February, like, the only, this is like, this is like my shows now, pretty much. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> this is a performance. But, I mean, don't, don't feel like you need to perform for this. Just have, just have a nice time, you know? I'm calmed by your voice. So I'm tr- I'll try. I'll try. I'm looking for. Thank you for reaching out to do this. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for agreeing. I, uh, I kind of just uh, guest host occasionally with Comfort Monk, and they uh, are nice enough to be like, uh, if you have any guests you want to talk to, and I use, I exploit their uh, great lineup of past guests to. Uh, talk to uh people i want to talk to so here we are that's that when i read the email and i saw the um alumni i went uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) you get you get mike watt in there and then the world is your oyster i guess i mean if he can find time in the day who am i i know he's have you have you listened to his show he's so busy he's just like constantly putting out his like watt from pedro show like four times a week it's ridiculous no kidding and then like recording a million different projects sent him files. But anyway, enough about him. Enough about him. This is about Lars Finberg. Um, yes. Just put out a lovely album, Tinnitus Tonight, on November 27th, right? Yes. Correct. And if you'll indulge me, I wanted to take a little page out of the old uh, Lars Finberg Terminal Boredom uh, book and do the track-by-track analysis, if you don't mind. I would love to. That's my favorite interview. That's why I did this. Exactly. I seen it somewhere, and I went, "This is the only interesting thing. Why don't you people talk about that?" Exactly. Yeah. No. Those like I've read multiple of those interviews just because I love that track by track format. That's a classic move. Classic move. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. I don't remember where I stole it from, but it stuck with me. <laughs> well, it's it continues to this day. So whoever started it, it's a classic, tried and true method (laughs) all right so side a lord of the files uh what do i think's interesting about that song sure that was i think what's interesting about this record is we were scheduled to make my first solo record with ty siegel recording it and he was busy for a few months um basically couldn't get into his studio for like three or four months longer than I had anticipated. Um, 
So I, my idea was to go back and record some of the fancier, in my mind, you know, acoustic guitar songs or stuff that was a little more convoluted. <laughs> and going up to Sacramento and recording those with Chris Woodhouse, who is this great engineer, producer that we've used in the intelligence for years. So this was recorded before the first album it was actually recorded before because my idea was why since i don't know what it's going to be like with ty as a safety measure i'll record a couple songs with woodhouse that we could glue onto the record or something if you know if i don't know just to have them safety and i guess sort of like a a safety blanket (laughs) because i've recorded with woodhouse for years and he's great not that Ty isn't, I just hadn't recorded with him before. So we went to the drummer, Kanan Tupper, and I drove up to Sacramento. We booked two days to do, I think, three tracks. And Lord of the Files was the first one. Um, and what happened was we ended up doing those three songs really quickly because Kanan's a great drummer. And Woodhouse suggested, he said, well, I mean, if you have anything else, the studio cost is miking all the drums up, which takes hours and getting a drum sound. He's like, we've done that. So you have another day. If you have anything else, I'd say just record it. So I kind of went through my demos on my phone with Kanan and we just mapped out song by song, like what else to do. And the next thing we knew, we were like, well, I mean, we've done six. If we do four more, we could record an album for relatively cheap. So we went into this kind of super fun problem-solving rush mode to just see if we could do it. And then we ended up doing like 11. We scrapped one song, I think. So. And how um, many days was that, did you say? We did. We tracked all of the drums with like scratch guitars in two days. One day is for setup, and then he did those three songs and then the next we had a day free basically that we had already paid for so he did all the drums the next day which was super fun because he didn't know he's a great drummer he could do anything and i've played with him for years we met each other at the art institute back in the 90s um so we have a history of, of you know being good buddies and stuff um but i just set up like a scratch vocal mic and would go hi-hat part and then you know be playing a scratch guitar that he just had he could hear my scratch vocal in his headphones i go ride cymbal big drum fill like just coaching him through these songs that he like you know didn't know so that's why i left a lot of that banter on the end of songs Ah. that's kind of us you know he's basically asking for another try and i'm telling him that it's good enough which I think was, there might be a, there's a good minor threat song that has some where he goes, is that good enough? I think so. That I always thought was funny because it's like somebody <laughs> wants to do a better job. No. And then that's on the recording. But I think I remember somewhere in there is like, I feel like like something like, can you do like a more consistent beat or something? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. He's like, I could, I'm like, what, what, what's wrong? Also, you know, cause we're down to the wire. We're like, we have so much tape to use. We can't do multiple takes of stuff because it's on two-inch tape and we have one reel. So it's like, no, we have to choose which the final track is going to be. But him going, I'm like, what's what's the problem? We got through it. And him going, "Uh, more consistent beats. And I'm like, no, it's fine. So 
And I mean, his drumming is my favorite part of the record. What stands out to me is how, because he's just copying these sort of drum machine patterns that I had these sketchy demos of and then making them 10 times better. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's interesting hearing like, cause there'll be like multiple songs with both the drum machine and drums in there. And it cut, I feel like that's like a classic thing you do is like, it'll be like first part of a song will like have like more synthy, uh, uh, electronic, like drum stuff. And then halfway through, like the band kicks in baby. Yeah. I love that trick. So like, in I like in LA that always gets me every time right after. Oh, I'm so glad after that 44 count. I, I had this funny with that song. Um, there was uh, this really great drag performer, Ursula Android, and she's a great DJ too. And she would play stuff like Warm Leatherette in this awesome lesbian bar, The Wild Rose in Seattle. That would be a kind of more, I guess, normal crowd to be hearing weird music like that. <laughs> um, uh, and I just went, I would love for Ursula to be DJing this song with that long count and that <laughs> drum machine manipulated through the delay pedal and stuff. I just think you'd go, what on earth is this? Where are we? So I'm yeah. glad you appreciate it. Yep. And then it makes, yeah, it makes the uh, full band part hit that much harder after that. Oh, rad. Beautiful. Rad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I totally got oh, off friend. track here. My friend from the tirades texted me when that first came out. And he's like, I wanted you to count to a hundred. I, I yeah. Thought. Same. Honestly, <laughs> just have 30 minutes of just counting and then finally yeah. hits and then the rest of the album. Well, and I did when I made that song, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just like the music had ran out and I just was winging that on the vocal to just see how long it went. <laughs> and that's how long the drum machine recording was. Oh, so I that went, wasn't oh, even, we can have the band. 44 wasn't even a plan. It was just, oh, okay, that's how much. How that's long where it did. That was the final one. Yeah, because <laughs> I had stopped playing music and then I was just kind of, you know, freestyling on the mic and it was so stupid that I thought it was good. Perfect. Yeah. Well, actually, man, that actually segs perfectly. Speaking of uh, songs that start out with a more drum machine feel and go into full band, Satanic Exit. And that was the other song that we went to go do with Woodhouse because I thought with. The drum machine, he was taking that. I use a cassette eight track to do stuff on. So I'm hauling this big suitcase up there to a nice studio to go, can you, I really like this <laughs> drum machine into this munched cassette tape. Can you take that and the synth bass out and make it sound good? Which he really did. It's that really deep synth. He EQ'd the source material of that was so... Uh, tragic and he cued it to just sound pretty massive so that was part of going there and i think what's funny about that song is on the way up there because it's about a maybe six or seven hour drive so kanan and i were driving it was the day we had finished um the benevolent panic video we shot that and then got in the car and drove oh wow to sacramento which felt like wow this is a busy day um but wow, on the way up we were Caden was hearing some of the songs for the first time on the CD player and nice. we were just brainstorming of what to do and I really love this Lauren Hill song to Zion that uses that hip hop snare pattern that 
is that he's playing and i was going can you play that kind of snare stutter and he said yeah and i was like what if we glued that in in the choruses so we did that and he was just coming in on the parts that are on the song but woodhouse is like really um I wish there was a more positive word for anal, but he's like clin- just a clinical. He didn't want Kanan to just come in in those parts and have it be out of sync with the drum machine, even a tiny bit. So he made Kanan play that beat for the entire song. Just so it stayed on time. So it stayed on time. And then he punched him in in those parts. So Kanan's having played this difficult drum beat for four <laughs> minutes that only comes in for 30 seconds at a time. That was, I was like, Oh, you poor guy. Uh, and that's why I left that little, there's a little kind of tape sputter of him playing at the end. Cause he just played it for five minutes straight and punched him in and out, which seems like a painful way to get the results of what's probably a minute of drumming. Well, it worked. I think it paid off. It worked. Yeah. yeah it's a good memory. <laughs> All right. Uh, beach base. Beach base. Um, that was the, yeah, that was the three that we were going to do. Okay, and so, so the first three were the three that you went to do. Yes. And uh, I think that one's interesting just because I had that drum pattern with the wood block on it, but it was off of this um, iPad drum machine. So I'm just pushing random pads to make this loop and then made a song out of it. But Kanan had to figure out how. He's like, I don't, how? <laughs> it's not a, you know, it's not made up as a person sitting at a drum kit. It's me randomly pushing buttons till it sounded cool. So watching him figure out how to hit the snare and then quickly hit the wood block, but stay on the hi-hat was pretty interesting. And yeah, a where, testament where to was the wood is. block? In he the got a mounted wood block um, that you can put, I think it's mounted on top of the hi-hat. So he's playing the hi-hat like constantly. And then in that one stutter, you know, hitting this wood block in there, which uh, it's pretty fun to watch him do. And it's (laughs) people look at it weird when we did it live because (laughs) a wood block, I like repurposing uncool things. You know, a wood block is probably the lamest thing you can buy in the guitar center percussion department. (laughs) But there we were buying a blue plastic wood block to mount on the, on the high hat. Oh, the beautiful moments. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. The doors. The doors. Um, I don't know what stands out about that one. It's, um. Oh, that is another one that it's two on the demo. It's a drum machine playing the drum beat. And then there's another drum machine doing those do, 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 uh, Tom rolls. So that was another one that he had to, it turned out that he couldn't play the regular standard beat and go around the kit. And also it's, they're kind of high toms. So Woodhouse goes upstairs and comes down and he has those roto toms, like a set of three roto toms. <laughs> That's like, if you don't know what they are, it's like the Neil Pert, like you can three. Like tune, right? Yeah, and yeah. you turn them, and they sound horrible. No one cool <laughs> would use these, but we're like, it's perfect because you can mount them above the hi hat, so he could play the beat and do this kind of high roll. Just to put a lot of stuff on the, the hi hat. 
He was working overtime <laughs> on this for sure. All right, uh, public admirer. Public admirer was made up on the spot the second day, just in, uh, you know, while we were waiting for the tape to be changed or, or Woodhouse to do some technical thing. I just started playing that bass line, which I thought was sounded like. Um, it almost sounds like that Anthrax song ticking in my head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it has that yeah. pattern. But I was like, this is, we could do something cool with this. And then, so I just said, just play whatever you want. And that's when he came up with that sort of blast beat on it. And I didn't know, I kind of wanted the baseline to be the main thing. So it's fun. I think Woodhouse is a super good musician too. And so when he gets to play on a recording, I think it gives him a break from just being an engineer. Sure. So I'll try to set on intelligence recordings. He's done like I'll save parts for him to do that. I know he'd be good at, and it's fun for him to play like a bass line or keyboard part or whatever. He's super great to rely on for anything, drums and all kinds of stuff. But I said, Oh, what you should do a noise guitar on this. And he said, okay. And I'm thinking he's going to get his, you know, pedal board out and make some insane thing. But he just took the guitar and leaned it on the amp or laid it on the floor, actually, and then just turned every knob on the amplifier up and then came back in the control room. And it was just howling feedback. And we're what? And because it's in this big open room, it's like, I don't know, feeding energy into itself so we're watching the tubes on the back of the amplifier like glow hotter and hotter and hotter <laughs> and, and start throbbing like he said i think this amp's gonna explode it didn't luckily but it, I, I was wondering that was what that like that how part. that whole squall was made and that was just yeah it's that, that was his genius idea it's too uh, and I thought it was funny to just say guitar like some shredding's gonna happen <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's two tracks of this <laughs> guitar laying on its back on the concrete and then the amp just doing all the work i mean it's really it's it makes sense saying guitar because it's not someone pl as much playing guitar so <laughs> the guitar is playing guitar. the solo yeah, yeah literally just guitar yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right uh my prison my prison was written texting shannon shaw from shannon and the clams we were texting back and forth when she was on tour and she was sending a picture of different dogs she had she's an animal lover and was maybe staying at a house that had a dog and was saying look at you know tours hard but look at this great animal i get to hang out with and i was saying oh i can't when I, i'm allergic to animals oh, so I was like, it's, it's not something I understand. He's like, no, <laughs> cats too, no animals. And I was like, no animals, my prison. Aww. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> I was like, my prison kind of sounds like a good title. And so the song is, it sounds like it would be about something heavy, but it's really about when you're on tour staying at different houses and if they have a cat or not, you know, it depends on, I've had to sleep outside on a balcony before because the, cat hair was overwhelming and i think it was in barcelona i just slept on a drug my sleeping bag outside and slept on the concrete balcony uh that's that's so i i had a bandmate who's like the same way just like 
if we're on tour. I, I he actually ended up quitting. I think partially for this <laughs> reason. He's like, I can't do these tour. Like somehow every house we stay in has some kind of animal, which I love animals, and I'm fortunately yeah. not allergic. And he does too. It's just he's like, my allergies are. I'm dying right now. I can't do this. Well, then when you have them, you grow up like not being able to connect to animals the same way that everybody else can because you know it's debilitating. Oh man, I even so, think about that. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So that's sort of what it was about was there's no connection. It's not fair. <laughs> I mean, that is, it is heavy in a way. That yeah. actually, I was, I, I was going to say what I, I was trying to think of uh, on the drive here to, uh, the best way to describe your lyrics. And, uh, I feel like what I came up with is, uh, a hard, a hard, to, hard to swallow pill, but dipped in fun dip. <laughs> that is perfect, man. I would take that. I've been like trying to fit. Cause I've always loved your lyrics. I was like, what is, why, what is it that I love about them? I was like, Oh, it's like these like harsh truths, but you know, but fun. I mean, I'm trying to tell, I, I think if you look at the surface, it, I think not that I would be pro Morrissey now, <laughs> but I think that's something that people don't get about the Smiths is like, I'm like, there's no way he's serious. Right. Exactly. Like, this is so sad. It's supposed to be funny is <laughs> what I take from them. And so that is sort of what I'm attempting when it sounds like I'm being harsh or something. It's, you know, an unreliable narrator. <laughs> narrator. I, it comes through. It definitely comes through. Good. I, for me at least. Yeah. All right, uh, Burger Queen. Burger Queen. Um, is, I think that one's interesting just because that guitar lead is so. I think it's one of the ugliest things I've played. That doesn't like land on any satisfying note. That's actually what you I know? love about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no resolve. It just sort of makes you uncomfortable, and it's played through. I asked Kanan for a distortion pedal. Because uh, I had never used one before this. I Not like in our live setup. Right. And I said, I, I need a distortion pedal. I don't know where to start, though. What's good? And he brings me this black box that has tape over the name of it. And he's like, don't remove that or you won't want to play the pedal anymore. Wow. And so I was like, okay. And I played it and it sounds amazing but awful at the same time it's really tinny and shrill and i was like this is perfect <laughs> and so i ended up using it for like a year and you know people would ask like what's that pedal i'm like honestly i don't know because i'm not allowed to <laughs> i'm not allowed to know called. yeah and then we were playing i think in oh we were playing i'd had it for about two years at this point and we played with the sonics and mud honey in seattle and i'm setting up the two pedals and the uh, sound guy immediately goes, oh, Metal Zone. Ha! And I was like, a Metal Zone? <laughs> like the most cursed. I've even heard of a Metal Zone. It's not a gear guy. And uh, and Kaden's like, damn it. I've hidden it for years. <laughs> so I think the mo- best part of that song to me is the, the Metal Zone guitar lead in it. So I guess like, I- now that you've uh, spent enough time with it, even though now that you know what it is, you're like, still love it. I've, I've I still love it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, the other thing lyrically was I took um, my dad had a patient that was a financial advisor or something. And he had, and she was, I think Russian 
So she had a kind of stoic demeanor and he was just making small talk, maybe asking for a financial advice, but she said that the worst advice is free advice. And that just cracked both of us up. And I will sometimes stick things that he says in there are quotes to him and stuff. Cause he's really funny. Oh yeah. Like uh, that estate sales, right. That was like, yeah, that that's a class. I love that. That was mostly like your dad's like deal. Yeah, totally. He had, um, He'll come up with song titles a lot and ideas, but it's not stuff that suits, doesn't fit me. Right. Or it'll have a word in it I don't like. But my, I mean, it came from him. He said, I got a song for you. Wire Monkey Mama. <laughs> and I was just like, I would not use the word monkey or mama in a title ever. I'm just thinking that. Especially but not like, together. Oh, yeah. Oh, Wire Monkey Mama. Oh, my God. What's this about? And he said, oh, it's about, I was reading this article of these when monkeys are in captivity or a zoo or whatever they'll make this and it's a baby monkey they'll make this wire monkey you know like a doll basically oh, that like the baby will almost. cuddle up to no, well the, no. oh, the, but, whatever yeah, the, the opposite. opposite of a scarecrow right, is because right. they're so alone <laughs> that they'll end up just like cuddling to this wire monkey mama <laughs> So I, the concept is great. I was going to say, I, the idea of it I like. The title is just very unfortunate. Yeah. Mama, I don't, can't think of any way to. Which also reminds me of there was a Facebook thing years ago where people were listing like 40 bands I've shared a stage with that was kind of going around and there was this hilarious friend of ours that just made up all fake band names that we were crying laughing reading them all that were just made up stuff, but the uh, mama's little heroes <laughs> was one of them. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what I think of when I hear the word mama in rock and roll context is mama's little hero. <laughs> Chuck Taylor and the GEDs was the <laughs> other one. That made up. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, uh, boy division. Boy division. That was, I wouldn't, that was a joke holding title because I don't think I, it's kind of too stupid, but I sent it to Lauren, who was our guitar player and keyboard player when I first had demos and it was still called that. And she said, you have a song called Boy Division, I'm in. And that <laughs> stuck with me just getting that positive reinforcement that I went, okay, Lauren likes that. We're going to keep it. And and deal with it. That's another one of my favorite. Kanan's also playing. You know, you can do anything on a drum machine, speed wise or whatever. And that was one where it's like, sorry about this one, but you know, he can really rip on fast hi hat and floor tom and stuff. So, so that and that set that whole session was just that session was just the drums, right? Pretty much. We might have gotten a little bit of bass done on that, but it was mostly mostly drums because. The other revelation in recording this was normally we um, will record for, you know, maybe five days straight or something and do it all at once. And I went, well, I'm paying for this recording. Why don't we just do it in two day increments? So that way Woodhouse isn't burnt out from a session and then starting ours. I haven't 
lost perspective because I've heard the songs for four days straight and now whatever mix is fine just so I don't have to hear Boy Division for the millionth time. So we did, you know, drums and then came back maybe two months later and did the guitars and the vocals and bass. And then we came back maybe three months later. And I think we mixed it after the tie record was done. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. That I that's very refreshing to hear because I'm definitely I I was wondering if I was the only person who like never wants to do that like two weeks straight because I'm yeah. just like by I feel like by the tenth day I'd be like maybe I hate all of these songs yeah and your decisions are like informed by your comfort like you know if we say this mix is fine then we can go watch The Office <laughs> right <laughs> exactly <laughs> sit in the other room without this song playing exactly. Uh, yeah. All right. Where was it? Oh, uh, TV True Love. TV True Love. That was made. I made that in my when I was between play. We got evicted from our house in L.A. and I work in Bakersfield and stay with my parents for during the weekdays. Mm-hmm. But my mom was really sweet. She had moved some of her she made a little area in the basement where she said if you want to set up your recording stuff and play music you could do it down here which is super thoughtful and i started recording stuff down there and it was like i just couldn't get in the zone like it just wasn't a creative space for some reason and it was like why is this it's like because it's my childhood home my parents are watching television upstairs and my mom's calling down like what do you want on your pizza and it was like i'm trying to make scum gutter punk rock down here how no one understands me (laughs) and it was like no i'm in the lap of luxury like there's no problems here it's like you're at the other end where you appreciate you like really appreciate it's like oh right when that was happening in high school it was really nice that they were doing yeah (laughs) it turns out the real world is harsh and cruel and i'm back Who'd have and, thought? Uh, yeah. This is act- I've searched the world, and you know what? This is actually the best place there is to be. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Circle. Uh, yeah. Wild Pilgrims. Wild Pilgrims is. Um, it's kind of hard. I think it's not easy to understand maybe what the lyrics are from, but it was. The title comes from a friend of mine was managing a band that had a horrible name and we were laughing about it. And he was like, yeah, the first thing I said was, would you guys, when I signed on, I said, is there any chance we could change the name? <laughs> we're like, no, this is it. And I was going, yeah, I mean, anything's better than that. And we call it Wild Pilgrims. And he went, whoa, that's actually a really good band name. <laughs> so it stuck with me. And... I was kind of, when I wrote it, I was sort of thinking of, for some reason, that there's a band called Nazis from Mars Mm -hmm. that is there, like, I think it even has a sticker on the front that's like, do not, this is not anti-Jewish at all. We're the Nazis from Mars who have come from outer space to kill the Nazis of Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Which, <laughs> the Nazi rivalry. They're doing it wrong. They've they've read the instructions incorrectly, and we're here to kill them. And so that was stuck in my head when I was sort of freestyling the lyrics, trying to, you know, sometimes I'm just freestyling into a microphone rather than writing them out. 
and I didn't want to say Nazis from Mars or have anything to do with right. that. So, but pilgrims from Mars sort of felt like the same thing. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> pilgrims are Nazis, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in a lot of the ways, it's a very similar thing. Invading, yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I, I, and it was kind of, you know, I think these songs are pretty old. So it was in the beat. It was like when Trump was barely, you know, when he was on the stage with 50 other Republican possible nominees. God, that's right. Like he wasn't even president yet. At the yeah. Time, right? So yeah. you had no idea, but it, you had an inkling of like, this would be very bad. Like, why is he even <laughs> making it this far? What's happening? Right. Oof. And so it's, it's kind of, it's talking about that, like seeing, you know, sensing dread in the room, but you know, who doesn't want to make fun of guitar center. So <laughs> right. it's kind of got some, um, music industry, not parallels exactly, but I guess like a bait and switch or something. Right. Cause I'm not going to say Trump in a song. I'm not going right, to say right. Nazis. I'm not going <laughs> to explore that too on the nose. Just metaphor. Yeah. 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 Um, I was actually, cause yeah, I was going to ask later if it's like weird that you, the fact that you like recorded this four years ago, like was, is there a specific reason why you waited till now? Was it just cause like, cause I know you had the uh, intelligence album kind of between when you recorded this and when it came out. Yeah. Was there any specific reason why? You know, I know what, what started it was I, when we did the intelligence record vintage future, for some reason that took like a year to come out. And usually you will put out a record. We tour for it. And on that tour, I kind of figure out what to do next. Okay. You know, that's like the live shows informing it, what songs are better, what I like about the record, what I don't like about it. And I didn't, we, I sort of didn't have that opportunity because we had to wait a long time, which was fine. Um, But then the record came out and I was like, I haven't been working on anything. I have like nothing, which feels weird there i liked i can't remember who it was but there was an author suggestion of like my my here his valuable suggestion was start your next book as soon as you finish the one that you're finishing cuz then you then you're not like taking into account reviews or people's reactions or whatever oh, shit. i don't know that i don't know that that's right on but it is true that you're like you don't have like oh that record flopped i need to do this it, you haven't had a chance to get a response to it so maybe it's a more like instinctual path to go on you're not and creating I went, oh, based on what people think of what you did before basically exactly and it's like it's not even going to be a valid response of all the people that heard it it's going to be the four online reviews that you read right. you know <laughs> like, <laughs> so that are now considered like carved in stone so i went i'm not going to do that again i'm going to uh keep working on that so it ended up having sort of a lot of material when we were ready to do something again and then that ended up sort of being almost i wouldn't say too much but definitely plenty and when i was making this record i thought it sounded we had already 
made three records before that with Chris Woodhouse's production. So it sounded a little bit similar to intelligent stuff right. that I didn't think it was, I was like, this isn't that different right now. And I don't want to record with Ty and Frankenstein Woodhouse sessions with that. I want to see what Ty can do and have his input and have that be like a real more collaborative kind of thing, more collaborative and organic. And so it made me go, well, what do I want the first solo thing to be? I, I think tip typically you would that would be like your most pop accessible stuff or something i would think and i went i want to do the opposite of that and have it be the weirdest stuff so you know because i got to not wait six months to record i you know i got to satisfy that itch of being in the studio and being productive and then i was like okay let's write new songs that'll suit ty's studio and his vibe okay and in doing that, this record, even though it was made first, to me it sounds like it's trying to beat, you know, I'm trying to top the first record, but in a weird way it was made first. <laughs> You're trying to top, top future you. <laughs> yeah, and in that regard, since I'm like, okay, if I know the second record's better, I don't even have to try with this first record <laughs> if the goal is just right. to have the second record be the best one. Just immediately, like, if you don't like this one, the second one's even <laughs> better, hold baby. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, but it seemed like such a bizarre thing to do that that's what we did. And then, you know, we put out an intelligence record and toured and stuff, so I'd sort of just been sitting on it because I'd didn't wasn't in, impatient for it to come out right right um and got busy with the intelligence and then uh went well we were supposed to do a tour for this in august in europe so it was going to come out then but then oh, okay. so who knows what's going on and i went i don't want this to just i don't want to wait a year who knows if anything's ever going to happen again so i thought it was a good time to just put out a piece of music yeah because like i kind of i i remember when it came out i was like this seems logical uh you know people are quarantining and whatnot like oh you recorded another solo album of course and then i I remember looking at liner (laughs) and it's like what the hell this was four years ago (laughs) yeah which and and that seems so old for the pace we worked out is i think a record every two years or so which really means a record a year because it takes long to get together and record and have it come out and all that. So th- this, it was fun to be so distanced from this, you know, four years ago in my parents' basement thing when it was made. So when it got mastered and I got the test pressing, I was like, I haven't heard these songs in two years. Let's see how they stack up. And I was sort of nervous, but the test pressing sounded great to me. And I was just sitting alone in a room going, this rocks. Yeah. It was really embarrassing. Like literally head bobbing to your own record. That's the dream. From That's four years dream. ago. But I was like, this is the ultimate, you know, it's better yeah. than not liking it. <laughs> I guess it's like almost like the macro version of like talking about like not recording five straight days in a row, like taking the time to give your ears a rest. And you're like, I'm going to give myself four years to let this rest on my ears. And then I'm going to love it. And it really, it worked in recording. And then I waited probably a year and then got it mastered. And then that was more fun to listen. It really, it was like, we really stretched as much fulfillment you could get out of making this record over a long period of time. (laughs) Milk every drop. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, well, if it sounds good four years later, there you go. 
that stood the test okay. of time. It yeah. went through uh, the process, went through two different uh, re- um, administrations. So there you go. Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I did, that did not occur to me. That I mean, barely. But, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, Louise. All right, before I I, I, I want to keep going off on tangents, but there's still one more track on tonight. It's tonight we got to get yes. to kitchen this floor. Probably, kitchen floor is interesting because that is about my grandparents, and I what I think happened was I had wrote the note kitchen floor, and I went okay, that's a cool title. I didn't remember it, but I went, oh, that's a cool title. Okay, I can work from that and start working on the song and then i went no that was a note to check out the australian band kitchens floor (laughs) and i went oh well too late but they're a great (laughs) band and that was why it was in my phone notes but i had forgotten that and ended up writing a song about it so but what kitchen floor instantly reminded me of was being probably 17 when i was living with my grandparents and some friends I had like older friends that were over 21 and we would drink beers in their parents' garage and hang out. And one night they wanted to go to the bar and I couldn't go. And I was frustrated by that. So they gave me some beers and I drank them in my grandparents' (laughs) garage by myself, like out of spite, like the older kids get to have all the fun and got completely drunk and woke up in the morning by my grandfather, um, retired Air Force pilot, colonel, like slapping my face awake because I had passed out just trying to walk to my bedroom. It was God. horrifyingly embarrassing. Oh, God. He, he didn't know if I was dead. You know, it's like, no, I'm just a loser. Um <laughs> But, you know, it's a painful memory that stuck with me. And so I just, uh, from there, wanted to write something sweet about them because they were both, Finn and Faye, were both super, super great people that let me come and live with them when I was fighting with my parents. And it was like a really nice, they were just awesome. And so I wanted to write something sort of touching to them that, my parents would appreciate there you go. leaving out the story of being <laughs> wasted on the ground when I was 17. <laughs> bless him. Bless him. Yeah. Um, so I think what I was going to ask before I was too worried about not getting to every song was, um, <laughs> so um, is there a, cause I remember like the intelligence was kind of started as like more or less kind of a solo project where like I've, I've done this too, where it's like nobody quitting can stop this kind of thing. Yes. That's what the name is, is from. Oh really? Like I figured it out. Oh, nobody yeah. can quit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause you've even done like a cup or maybe like what was, um, one one or two of them you kind of just did pretty much yourself right of the intelligence records yeah i i did the first seven inch in the first record and then about half of the second record and then i then fake surfers in deuteronomy yeah there were plenty of times where it was i wanted it to be a real band but it was also like it's hard to rely on other people right 
you know, like I t- yeah. it wasn't uh, recording by yourself. It's just it's so easy to get it done when it's just you, you know. Yeah, and I liked. Yeah. yeah, and you, I like putting the pieces together. You know, like make how what I like playing bass. I like drumming. I like doing all the stuff. So it started in that regard, but then I, you know, I love playing with people and having it be a real band and stuff. So it eventually evolved into that, but it started off. That was my favorite thing to do was just sit with the eight track and make songs as I stack the pieces up. So I guess that, that kind of, that makes sense why you've been releasing both stuff, Lars Finberg and the intelligence. Cause I guess the intelligence has almost come like, more or less a, a solidified like group of people as opposed to just like your, I mean, it is your thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So, and then, so then Lars Finberg is kind of like your stuff to do again, the kind of piecing it together yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Cause I was really happy with the guys playing in Seattle, Dave Fernandez and Drew church. And I've known them for years and we get along really good on, tour and they're great musicians and i liked wanted to keep that lineup intact and i like recording in the studio with them but kanan and they live in seattle and kanan and i are down here in california and i also don't i don't think being prolific is a super compliment in some regards in like it's i mean i think it's a little more in fashion now like people appreciate the OCs and stuff and Ty that put out a lot of quality records, but there was also a minute where that would, it's disparaging in a review. I think, you know, they go another release from so-and-so and and it was, it was very out of fashion. And I also was like, I don't want to be that band. Like you, someone tells you the Mekons are good. And then you go to this Mekon section and there's a very, there's 20 CDs in there and you don't know where to start. Right. And it's kind of, you go, I would have heard one of these 20 CDs by now if it was good. That's my own hang up. And I love the Mekons when somebody showed me what to get, but I was like, I don't want to just have a huge catalog. Yeah. I want it to me. I, I was rather than have 15 records. It was a way to like kind of spread it out in a different way. Sure. I guess. And then, also, when I don't use in my I know they're really similar, but when I'm not using the intelligence name, it feels a little freer to try different stuff because I'm not thinking about how does this stack up to fake surfers or I played those chords on Deuteronomy. It's just a little it's a little more freeing, I it's guess. Thing. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So I guess. It's 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 always confusing to ask since it's like you. I mean, you're obviously not touring now, but like the the intelligence is still technically a thing, I guess, right? Yeah, it's. I'm. We put out a record last year, right? And I started. Um, I actually made another record. Uh, worked on a new intelligence record in. February, right before everything closed, I went up to Grass Valley and just recorded by myself. But it's not, I think it's good, but it's not a big enough step forward. Gotcha. So I'm sort of, I like the songs, but I want to sort of dismantle the mix and have it be a little bit different. And then I think in this 
year, you know, of at the time I finished it in February and I thought I'd put it out shortly in tour in spring right. or something. But it's like, I think getting a lot of time to sit at home and think about stuff. It's like, what is, what's the point of putting out like more stuff that you've already done. That's pretty good. Right. You know, I think we're all sitting absorbing so much content. It's like, I think I need to push harder and have this be more impressive or weirder or quantity. Yeah. Or just like it's, it was, it seemed like a little bit of a repeat of the last record. And it was like, this is good, but I'd rather figure out a way to be saying something different, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, so sorry, go ahead. Oh, I would. So the intelligence is still a thing, but I just don't know what it is yet. Gotcha. So yeah. you kind of since since February, have, have you like thought about like how you want to switch the songs up, or are you just kind of like letting it rest for a while? I mean, you got it. You got a solo album out, so I guess you can yeah think about that and celebrate that. I suppose. Well, I guess then. I guess it also goes back to uh, the author that said starting immediately. So yeah. I mean, I and, which I've continued, I've continued to do it really, it really, I mean, just keeping working just gets you better at it, I think. Right. And even if you go through 10 songs that aren't that good, the 11th one is probably informed by those 10 and that one might be great. So what I've done is I've started, I got a new recording device um, and have started to learn how to use that because I sort of think, I like the studio recordings. The guy, Tim Green, is super great, and mm-hmm. it sounds awesome. But I don't know that I want to put out another solid studio recording. I sort of think it would be more interesting to go backwards cool. and make a kind of messy home-recorded thing. Nice. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, so that's kind of what you've been working on, I guess, recently? Is or thinking about that, I guess. Yeah, no, that's what I've been do. I've been learning this machine for about six months. I think I finally got a handle on it last night, nice. and have been kind of re-recording those songs or using elements of that mix and sort of just. My vision is like I've. I think we've made enough cool, slightly polished things like Vintage Future. I think that's as nice as we could get. Sure. And so I sort of want to make something that's like exploding your speakers again. Nice. Um, that's easier to do at home when nobody cares, as opposed to like at a studio on the clock. And of course the engineer wants to have it sound good. Right. So it gets a little bit, I'm not saying this about Tim Green and knew that, but I think there's, you get a little more neutered in the studio because it comes like out sterile. a little more yeah. normalized. Right. You know? So cool. Um, is, is there any plans for any more, uh, was, was the rubber blanket thing, was that just kind of a one album thing or is that going to be? No, that's, yeah, that's, I just started on the second album in the last couple of weeks. So we, that's pretty cool. Brad, who is the singer and songwriter and rubber blanket got, I basically set him up with the same cassette eight track that I use because that's the machine I know how to use Sure. and showed him what I do. Cause it's, it's easy to use. And I, I just think it sounds a little, I think it sounds cooler than 
I don't, I don't know how to use a computer for recording stuff. I'm, I'm, that doesn't appeal to me. And he's a visual artist and we're, you know, very similar. And so with him learning how to record, I think it's cooler to have a machine you can touch. And also he can give me the cassette tape and I can put it in mine and oh, yeah. manipulate it. So he had that for a few months and wrote a bunch of songs and then just gave me four tapes of stuff that I'm sort of going through and, oh, wow. and working on that I just started the last week or so. That's rad. Um, yeah. is, is there any, before I, uh, change subjects is there any other uh projects so you got you like so well i guess the uh messiest messy you said said messy so i'm only quoting you that's what i'm going for yeah (laughs) the uh messy album uh rubber blanket i guess those are kind of the only quote-unquote projects that have really been going on for you recently right i know you've like known for being in uh, hundreds of bands at certain times so i wasn't sure yeah um i did start i don't know we only have one song but cody willis who is from big business and murder city devils and the melvins he played drums on two of the songs on moonlight over bakersfield he has been home recording a bunch and he is sent me we're gonna see if we can do collaboration stuff because he sent me a super good drum track that i started writing music over last week and we've only done one song but i think it went really well so uh and he just emails them to me and i put them in the machine and do it from here so that's sort of what i'm working on next you've been been nice and busy yeah it's fun um i was so you for the year before shit hit the fan, you you had like some touring planned, right? For you said Europe, right? For sure. Yeah, we had a, a short intelligence tour of the Midwest, which I bought the, the plane tickets literally the day before the oh, airline industry collapsed. God. I got about half. Of, it was. It could not have been worse timing. So many people are in such a worse situation, but it was comical. Like right. two days later, and of course, I bought you know, cheapoair.net tickets who promptly like (laughs) promptly their phone line was deleted from the website (laughs) and it was impossible to fight. Um, But yeah, we were supposed to do a little tour of the Midwest and then a solo tour in August, I think. Nice. Um, So two things canceled. Damn. (laughs) Do you think you'll try and like tour some of that stuff? uh, If, if and when shows happen again i would love to if if it i'm not i don't see a point in rebooking stuff before there's a solution well yeah for sure you know i understand like some bands have to do that you know to you know i don't operate on no one cares if we do or not really so it's a luxury (laughs) for us well i mean our livelihood doesn't depend on fortunately or unfortunately but um i would be happy to but i don't need to you know put dates on a calendar for a hypothetical date a year from now totally i guess i meant more not even booking it now but you will try to tour i mean not plan any of it until everything's totally opened up but probably try to play do some tours when that everything comes back up 
I miss it. At the, it's taken about this long. There was a little bit of like, I don't miss, I don't miss touring that much because we got to do it a lot. Right. And I, and also I quit drinking like three years ago. Right. I was and, wondering if that, which has been uh, like, it could not have been better. It was the best decision I ever made, but I did do uh, a couple tours in one big European tour, not drinking, which was like, it's like, you know, I wouldn't say a challenge, but it was like, I could give up on this anytime I want, you know, anybody right. could. And I love drinking wine for 12 hours straight after a show, it was a big appeal of this whole thing for a long time. And I loved playing shows and I loved like doing the tour, but it was more boring. Right. Like taking the celebration after the show out of it was like, it's not as fun. It still is fun, but I don't like, I don't need to do it three times a year. That so, actually, that reminded me also another classic lyrical thing i like the like in lapel du vide is like the um uh uh what was it I, i've been dry for nine months but i've been bored nine months <laughs> and then wait through that entire instrumental break and be like but also haven't felt yeah. awful in nine months <laughs> it's like you walked away it's like ooh, i left that on a, a, a that, sour note let me come back no i've also haven't felt awful in nine months okay yeah <laughs> Well, that was actually like the first part was a test text exchange that I just thought was funny in my friend that was like, oh, that's actually, I think, relatable. But uh, it's it's an easy thing to forget when you get bored after a while. and You're like, partying was fun. Was it that bad? And it was like, wait, there you quit because there was pretty debilitating hangovers and stuff. I was joking that they should make a pill for when you quit drinking that just gives you a hangover for 15 minutes so that you can just remember like, Oh yes, that <laughs> element that's super easy to forget. Okay. I'm good. It's its own special like nicotine patch for drink, except yeah. you don't get the rush. You just get the bad parts. So yeah. you learned why you, you smoke, stopped in the first place. Yeah. You can smoke not at all, but you can have three cigars in a row every <laughs> six months, but you have to finish them. It's like that trick where uh, if a kid gets caught smoking and he has to like smoke a whole like pack in one and feel awful. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. I was curious just cause it's, it's almost like a comfort monk classic thing to be like, uh, if you have any memories of ever playing or being in where we're based in South Carolina, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've like driven through, have y'all ever, have you in any sense ever played in South Carolina? Do you think? I'm pretty sure we have, but I can't remember where we played. The options probably would be like Columbia or Greenville maybe Charleston, which is where I'm from, but I feel like I would have heard if that happened. Is there, we, I wonder if we might have played a college in Columbia. USC, maybe? I can't remember. I know. I I also like with this question, I'm like, you've played, like been playing so long and played so many shows. Like I can't remember some shows I played last year. So right. This is a big question. No, well, and I also love like you're, you know, a non-touring person will be like, oh, so you get to travel. And you're like, yes, we get to go to the worst bar in every city <laughs> right. for six hours and drive away from it. it so yeah, it I've, sort of blurs together. I've learned from like 
listening to past episodes of this podcast, like I feel like half of the people they talk to, it's like, so yeah, uh, our experience of a city is show up in the <laughs> afternoon, sound check, maybe eat at a cool restaurant and play the show. And that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my, one of my favorite memes recently was, you know, it's the, two quotes at the top and it said they're destroying the community maybe talking about antifa or something it's like they're a threat to the community and it says the community and it's like what you would see when you first pull off the freeway you know just a row of strip mall gas stations <laughs> and fast food places <laughs> like yes, exactly that's the community. yeah um but i know i know because uh, i think because I was talking to a friend of mine. I, th- I know you've played a show in Charlotte at Snug Harbor, which is in North Carolina, right? Okay. I'm pretty yes. sure. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm just trying to piece everything together. Um, yeah, actually, and I'm pretty sure we played Asheville. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I can't remember. I think we have, but I can't quite remember. I guess, did sh- when you were playing with OCs, did y'all ever come to the Southeast? We did. So that might have, that could have been Asheville. I don't know. Yeah, that might have been with the OCs as well. Right. Because I'm pretty sure the drummer at the time, Mike Schoen, I think he's from North Carolina. And oh, we, wow. his parents, we met his parents and played somewhere out there. But I, yeah, it all, it sadly blends together. <laughs> right. Totally. Actually, I think, like, I, also I, coming from the West Coast, by the time you get there, you're halfway through, so you're like completely fried. Oh man! Of like, yeah. okay, this is not even the home stretch. Let's, <laughs> you know. I know. I I think I've tried to plan tours out to the West Coast, but I just literally can't like get people off work for <laughs> that amount of time. And just imagining like a month is just like I've I've done like two and a half weeks tops, and by the end of that, I'm like. I don't remember who I am anymore. <laughs> yeah, you are. I love that is one of my that's what I do miss. I mean, you come back after two weeks and you're like, what's been going on? And I was like, same old stuff. And you're like, I'm three different people than right. when I left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but I remember, I think when I was first getting into the intelligence, kind of just like searching, I'm like, are they playing around here anytime? And it was actually pretty soon after my band played a couple of shows with um cop city chill pillars in florida oh cool and then like right after that i'm like so sad i learned after the fact that you like did a set like with like combined you plus them as a band right yes that was amazing we i got an offer to come out to florida and just play by myself i think a velvet underground tribute thing and then dj um a bar opening and I went, I don't want to play by myself. And I had met cop city guys super briefly. Um, when we played out there on the King tough tour and I went, well, you know, them, could you reach out and see if they would want to be the backing band? And they did. And we, I flew out and we learned, uh, you know, I think I picked, it might've been six songs or something. Nice picked a bunch of velvet underground songs and they learned them and we it was one of the funnest things i've ever done because i mean i went to the airport got in a rental car drove to a warehouse and met cj 
and went, okay, we're playing now. Like to have no context. I mean, I had met him and had a 15 minute conversation a year before, but it was a super fun way. And they're super cool guys and I love their band. So it couldn't have been better, but it was a very bizarre, like, hello, my name's Lars. Okay. Two, three, four. <laughs> did y'all, did, I'm trying to remember, did y'all just, just do Velvet Underground covers or did y'all do like an, did y'all do two sets or just the Velvet Underground set? We did the Velvet Underground set the first night that was what it was for. And then the next night when we played at Gramps, um, we played the Velvet Underground set and maybe like a half a set of Cop City songs that I learned like oh, super right. on, the, on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like as soon as I found out about that, it's like, I mean, y'all are two very different artists, but also like, like when I heard, I was like, those those two together it makes sense <laughs> it went, i mean those guys rip and it, it we, they have a great sense of humor we i mean we had a blast for three or four days it was super fun but yeah i think we're pretty similar in outsider rock with a little bit of following some of the traditional rules i guess yeah be, being in south carolina it was kind of like when i first found out about them it was kind of like this mind-blowing thing where i was like oh shit this kind of music is like coming like six hours from where i live yeah totally um <laughs> not to get into too much into it my seems story. like something that would come from florida and not like san francisco exactly. like it needs some rural decay <laughs> exactly yeah. um shit what was i gonna say oh um it's i was just another thing about them that i in it's it's a good tour things like it was a, a bitter is bittersweet that's what it was um the last this was like 10 years ago last time i played with them uh i didn't realize that it was actually like a 10 hour drive and I thought it was like everything in like on the East coast, you know, it was like pretty, not too far away from each other. It was like, Oh, it'll be like four yeah. hours. And it was like the first night of tour. Like, Oh, we got to drive 10 hours tomorrow. <laughs> and then like, I love, I love those situations. Cause you're like, we're in a rock band. We don't have to follow the rules. We're outside of the norms. It's like, wait, why am I getting up at seven thirty? Exactly. And then, so we drove there, had, had a lovely show with them. You know, they're the best. And like, it was a bandos and it was just two people and we like didn't have a place to crash. And I think like one of the, one of cop city chill pairs like just graduated college. So they were like, it was like their celebration show and they're like <laughs> venue that they like ran snooze theater. They're like, uh, you could totally like sleep in this back room at snooze theater. And it was like oh, the weird, bizarre thing, like after 10 hours driving and then like, it was, the back room where it's like there's already no windows in the venue and then it's even darker in the back room and so oh, it's just like boy. pitch black and god bless them i love them but also they were like because they were celebrating they're like they're like is it cool if we like jam out here while you guys sleep <laughs> damn that and rips. since they're celebrating like I mean, you know, we wanted to be gracious guests. It's like till 6 a.m. I was like, oh, God. All right. We, it's just is it was beautiful because I, I part, guys, of, part of me wanted to, like, go jam with them. But part of me is like, God, I'm fucking exhausted right now. Totally. <laughs> Those guys are hardcore. Like, they're just tough. And when I stayed, so I drove to their, you know, they'd live in a warehouse basically that they've turned into their practice room. 
oh, shit. recording place, but it's like, it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's a, it's a huge warehouse and like a guy had cut a hole in the sheetrock, like up this super tall ladder. And that was his room. <laughs> so like, it was really right. makeshift. It was makeshift. And, you know, we're playing and the only lights are, the giant fluorescent lights that would be overhead in the warehouse. <laughs> so it's kind of relaxing because you're playing music and drinking beers and hanging out, but it's also like brighter than a seven 11 and we're practicing all night long to be ready for the show. <laughs> and it's like, okay, it's bedtime. And the people go up there. I mean, sketchy, tall, fully extended <laughs> ladders to their room. They give me three couch cushions like just taken off the couch and lay those on the cement floor in front of the drum set and then someone goes lights out and they shut <laughs> off like the, it goes clunk and it's just pitch black <laughs> and the other thing i remember was i went okay man can i take a shower and he said yeah the bathroom's through there and you know you go through plastic sheets and there it was a sh- kind of a shower stall, but it was just a, uh, a pipe sticking out of the wall where the shower head was supposed to be. And I turned it on. There was just freezing cold water only. Oof. And so I turn it back off and I go and I'm like, CJ, I can't get the hot. Does the hot water take a long time? He said, there's no hot water. It's just freezing cold water. And what I do is I get on my, <laughs> I get on my knees and, and he, I wish you could see it, but he made this like, christ-like pose but on his knees like sticking puffing his chest out and he said then i just turn the cold water on for as long as i can take it so it's just like hammering him in the chest and i went oh my god i see where this music comes from now (laughs) that does kind of it all makes sense now it all makes yes yes i also i love him so much the idea of uh flying out there and then doing that is such a beautiful mix yeah playing velvet (laughs) underground covers and taking freezing showers and it was it rips that's rad um let's see i can't see one second is there any i was just i i don't know why i'm just like such an a because I haven't been on a tour in a while. I just want to ask tour questions all day. But is there any like yeah, let's talk s- about it. specific cities you like or don't like when you tour? Um, I like, I mean, I probably like, you know, I like the bigger cities the most, you know. I like Chicago and New York and uh Paris and I like hustling bustling cities the sure. most like that's the funnest to roll into town in a van I think and go like we're here for business yeah <laughs> I think that feels cool business trip yeah yeah this is business we've been asked by the city to be here <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh. Um, all right, I wanted to uh, take another uh, page out of the uh, Terminal Boredom book. Um, what is a uh, perfect day in Bakersfield or L.A.? You, or both? You you tell me. Gosh. Um, well, I mean, I, from the whole pandemic thing, I what I try to take is just how... F- 
a lot of things. I'm just fortunate to be uh, in, to be employed and not s- stressed about money or an apartment. Like I'm, you know, comfortable in those regards. So I try to think about also not drinking takes so much like social. I don't, you know, I have no use in going out to a bar and talking to people all night. I would do it if I was playing a show and enjoy it, but I have a reason to be there for that. So I don't miss that, fortunately, which has made it super easy and not having like existential dread waking up in the morning has made it, I think, easier on me than most people. Um, So I enjoy going to work and having a routine still and pretty much I, I basically work in Bakersfield during the weekdays and hang out with my parents, which I totally enjoy. They're super funny. We're really close and we, you know, watch the crown and, you know, have dinner together and laugh and that's fun. And then on the weekends, I just come home pretty much hole up in my apartment and record and listen to records and, that rules. Take a bath. Yeah. Yeah. So as I, you know, my life has not been dis, super dismantled. So I'm, I'm thankful for, you know, the very small life that I do get to have. Totally. What, what's, what, what's your job right now? I work in a doctor's office and I do the medical billing there. So I'm like, I'm billing insurance companies and, fighting denials and all that type of stuff that i and i'm, I'm kind of glad you uh involved working there because i kind of had it like i was unemployed for like two weeks at the beginning of the uh-huh. pandemic and like it was both a like vacation but like after that i was just like all right this could i need some like structure just to yeah. like not feel like uh you know something grounding and then like i got called back to work and i was like i'm kind of happy about this yeah I, I i remember when i worked in seattle years ago in the like the internet bubble exploded and i had like some cushy job of doing hardly anything all day for a few years that was great but also like this job sucks like right. we were you know 25 and didn't have to do anything so i was like it's so boring and you hated it, and then it came to an end, and you were relieved. But then, I it was very easy to get unemployment then, and I ended up like, you know, not working for a long time, and it really got like this is not fun anymore. This is I can do whatever I want, and it's a prison. Right. And I didn't write any music for like the six months or however long it went on, even though I had all the time in the world. But it was like all of a sudden I didn't care anymore exactly. or something. And as soon as I got the worst temp job after that, that was one of the, some horrible like working in a packing warehouse or something, I ended up writing like music immediately. And it was like, okay, this something about this like informs the process, I think. Totally. That, that was kind of the same way with me. Like those two weeks I was off. I like I was like, I have so much time to work on music, but. Yeah, I'm just gonna drink tequila sunrises all day, and <laughs> it's meaningless. Now. Yeah, <laughs> but then when I got the my job back, then I'm actually like starting to work on things again. And it's yeah, nice. I love that. Uh, is there anything you've been like listening to lately that you specifically have been enjoying? 
You know what is funny was I moved records around the other night and I found this box of records that people had given us on tour that had just gotten stuck in our merch box. And there's this girl that I've seen at shows in France and maybe in Belgium too, but I recognized her because she does music with um, Seth from Useless Eaters. Oh, okay. And she had given me a couple of records, and I remembered it, and it's called Katu Latex, C-O-U-T-E-A-U Latex. And I pulled this pink record out that I've probably had for two years, and because it's in, like, the free box, you're like, well, how good could it be? And I went, see this per- not very nice person a favor and put it on, and it probably won't be great. And I put it on, and it's, like, the best record I've heard in so long. Dang. It's like super awesome, minimal synth drum machine, great French woman singing. Ooh, and beautiful. I've played it probably five times in a row. And I went, this fucking record that I want to share with all my friends has been sitting in a box for two years, like doing nothing. And uh, I'm very happy it came in my life. What was the name one more time? It's called Kato Latex. Kato Latex. Yeah. And they have a Bandcamp page. But if I mean, it, it's, I love it. It's super catchy and original, and uh, I don't know. I keep I'm listening to it like skeptically, waiting for a wrong move to come on so I can put this free record someone gave me off. <laughs> and it was like, no, this thing's incredible. It's really short. Both sides are great. I didn't want it to end, and I went, wow, I did not <laughs> think I was. Yes. I mostly listen to jazz, so when I'm at home, I'm just listening to jazz records. So to have a like somewhat rock record really blow me away was awesome. Yeah, that it it, it can get hard <laughs> to find that sometimes. And the fact you were listening with the intent of like, all right, I'm just waiting for the second where this is going to fuck up. Oh yeah, my <laughs> my arms crossed like <laughs> one false move record and you're out of here. <laughs> I was joking with uh I was in my friend Min who was in the A frames with uh, he was super nice. He would come home. We'd come home from a tour. And this was back in the day. People really, all you had was there was, it was pre-internet back then. Right. So people gave you a seven inch of their band and you would, you know, we'd have 50 of them when we got home from a tour. And it was like, it just felt like a daunting task to go, okay, like, I don't remember what show this was, who this was, who's giving us this. But he, we, we, we would, he'd go, come on, it's seven inch night. And I'd come over and he would listen to all the records Aww. from this thing. But it was funny, the diminishing returns of like how shorter and shorter of a bandwidth for listening to these would get that it would be like, the stick clicks, one, two, three, turn it off. Like, <laughs> even music played. They left that in. <laughs> exactly. I guess that kind of speaks to like what you're talking about earlier about like prolific. Then it just gets like oversaturated. Like if you're releasing so many albums, it just gets oversaturated, and you're just like, like yeah, your bandwidth gets so tired where it's just like, oh, yeah, where's where's <laughs> where's something I want to pay attention to. And that, I mean, it is not, it's a failing on my part. Like this cool person came to our show and gave us this record. But when it turns into 10, you're like, right. it's like. <laughs> I've definitely like done the thing where like uh, playing with a band and they're like, what if we like 
trade tapes. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I realized like in the bottom of my like pedal case, it's like, oh shit, there's like 10 tapes in there. I should listen to those sometime. Oh yeah. <laughs> like mangled CDRs. Yeah, exactly. They're, pedals, they're totally. probably beyond use, beyond repairs, yeah. but I yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. Those, well, somebody, well, has and it was, stuff. it was such a perfect like egg on my face too. Cause I mean, I, I don't know the last time I played a record three times in a row of stuff that I bought, you know, for right. $30 or whatever. I was like, okay, that's, I'm wrong. That's saying Thank something. you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, I don't want to take too much of your time. Is there, uh, any, uh, parting words you would like to give to the comfort monk listeners? Uh, thank, I'm amazed you listened this far. Thank you very much. Yeah. I feel and like, thank you for reaching out. This was super fun. It's the yeah, only musical thing I've done in months. <laughs> and it was a total blast. That's awesome. <laughs> it is. It is really feel like a performance almost. It does. We're friends now. It's well, yeah. like we bonded at a Feels show good. and we have history now. Ex- ah, we did it. We did it. Yeah. History has been made. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you very much, man. I really, really appreciate it. it Thank a you so pleasure much. pleasure to talk to you, man. Oh, the, likewise, of course. A dream come true. Truly a dream come Great. true. And, Same um, I, well, Eddie, is there, is there, a, you think a Gratitude Volume 3 will ever come out? If you, if they ever do another compilation and if you have any desire to contribute a song, by all means. But I um, love being on compilations. Cool. Well, if, whenever Volume 3 comes around, we'll, definitely be hitting you up and uh yeah thank you so much and it was a dream and yes uh, thank you very much hope you have a lovely rest of your day you too hang in there buddy you too this has been a comfort monk production